Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey, everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. It's Monday night, and it is time for an all-new Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio, coming to you from the beautiful Wildfire Studios somewhere in the heart of South Jersey. My name is Bill Matz, and I'll be your director of fun and games for the evening. We have a great show for you tonight. Uh, we're all mad at the Flyers. They just won, but like they beat a terrible team, so good for them. Uh we're going to kind of get into a little something different tonight. We're going to break down some stats. We have uh, Dom Luschichin. Yes. Did I get it? Pretty close, yeah, I think. Uh, He's on Twitter. You've seen him. He writes for the Hockey News. He writes for The Athletic. And he's going to break down uh, just who the Flyers are by the advanced stats, what we're seeing, what the numbers say, and just kind of... Get a little deeper dive into the numbers that we uh, that we bring up on this show. Let me introduce you to my panel for the night. First and foremost, my broadcast partner in crime, Steph Alicious D. Steph Driver. Hey, Bill. So this this show is one that we've wanted to do for a while. Um, it's been is- an idea for a long time, and it's finally like, uh, uh, do people really want to hear me yell about Chris Vandeveld for another hour? Right. There's only so much they that might. we can talk about. <laughs> It's cathartic for all of us, but like you it. know, there's only so so many words we can string together about how bad the coach is and how the team is underperforming, and, and this is just going to take a deeper dive as to what the fuck is actually going on. So I'm really excited for it. Um, and one other thing that I would like to say is when you consider player history in supplemental discipline, it's absolute bullshit. Why? Because. It's supplemental discipline. If if the referee got it wrong on the ice, whether the player has a history of doing those hits or not, doesn't impact whether the ref got it wrong on the ice. Okay, but isn't that how you gauge intent? Like if a guy is no. constantly no. slew footing somebody, that means he's doing it on purpose. Okay. If you accidentally run into someone and that guy gets hurt, maybe it's a suspendable offense, but we'll be easy on you because it's only your first mistake. Okay, so let's say... I smack someone in the eyeball with my stick on purpose, but I've never done that before. Well, that's an egregious. That, that's just a crazy thing. Well, but, like, but I've, Radko, I've never done it before. When Radko Gudis has run people from behind like eight times, it's like, all right, bro, we, we got to eventually like come down on you because you keep doing this. Yeah, the, the the thing with the suspensions though is that it's not like the player player history doesn't count for whether they get suspended or not. It's only the length. So right. like, you're talking about Nyquist. If he would have done that before, maybe he would have got like 15 games rather than six or 10. Who, who the heck knows? Well, they say it doesn't. But mm. maybe. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's hard to say. What frustrates me is when you have players who 
technically don't have a history, mm-hmm. but if anybody's <laughs> then there's actually also that fun part. Play, yeah, they're always on the borderline, and they never get that like, oh well, I guess we won't find him this time because well. He's never done it before, but when you have a guy like Evgeny Malkin, who's sort wondering. of done it like 10 yeah. times before, I wanted and to ask never actually ten. gets <laughs> penalized for it, Yeah, he, I wanted, should, he should have a record by now. That's what Fresh I wanted to ask you what you guys thought of that Malkin hit. Oh, he's he's an asshole. I mean, it was one of those things where... like I thought it was clean. Maybe it was borderline. Get your head he, up. He does it all the time. His, he his does skates, it all the his time. His skates were on the ice, and the guy was bent over. No, he he left. He definitely left his feet. They freeze-framed that he left his feet. I mean, yeah. he's just as dirty as Radko Gudas with 100 times more skill, so nobody ever talks well, about him. I don't him. know if he's as dirty as Radko Gudas, but I'm he is saying dirty. he is. Well, I mean, that's fine. I'm, I'm <laughs> Thanks, Jared. <with> <laughs> but I, I, just, I just think back to that, that Flyers-Penguin series when Malkin was going around trying to headshot everyone, and somehow no one ever really did anything about it. It was like, oh, there was fine because huh, it's Malkin. Huh. There was absolutely Funny no how way. That absolutely no way with the stadium series around the corner if Kenny Malkin was getting suspended. <laughs> That's a fair oh, point. Yeah. The man with the numbers, Charlie O'Connor. So, going a little rant here. This is the second week in a row I'm ranting about trade deadlines. Awesome. So, we're coming up on the trade deadline, and you know what that means. That means we get lots of random rumors that pop up that absolutely have no basis in fact whatsoever. For example, today, we got NHL trade rumors saying that got the, me. the Flyers <laughs> are listening to offers on Claude Giroux, which, you know what? That'd be big news. It'd be really, really big news. And they reference Sportsnet. They say, we heard this on Sportsnet. So you go to Sportsnet. And what does Sportsnet say? Sportsnet is referencing an article from Philly.com, which is an opinion article saying, hey, you know what I think the Flyers should do? I think maybe they should listen to offers on Claude Giroux. This isn't a report. This is going through three different different conduits until someone is able to spin it to mean that it actually came from the team when it didn't. It came from an opinion columnist. We should not be freaking out about things like this. This is why when you see a report, do some background research and see if it actually holds up before you go crazy online. Just just as a warning, because this is going to happen more over the next week. I can't. I'm thinking about making a bunch of dummy accounts this year. <laughs> <laughs> I always say, like, what's the matter with these people that they're just like, I'm going to be fake less Bowen? <laughs> you know? Like, what is in your head? I, it, I think it's happened less recently, probably because more people are, like, I mean, it's it the out. simplest thing. If I they have a be... check mark, it's them. What if I was fake Charlie? I want you to be fake oh, Sam Donnell. Someone's going to be a fake Charlie at some point. <laughs> There's going to be a it's fake Charlie. I'm going to be fake Charlie. <laughs> I'm so excited. Well, uh, we, well, we already have fake crud. <laughs> fake Kurt, who, who may or may not, the Twitter account may or may not be run by another member of Broad Street Hockey, will only tweet about how much he hates the fearless play of the game. We have a, really a full life here at Broad Street Hockey. There's nothing weird going on here. And that voice right there is Kelly Hinkle. Yeah, and uh, so my unfunny joke about trading Braden Shen that I make every week, mm-hmm. it's kind of extra funny this week because when you think about it he really is the most movable piece that we have if we're going to move somebody at the deadline he's so. not though he's Isn't just the, he? he's the one that everyone hates therefore <laughs> no everyone no, thinks it's he not is about, the most movable it's not I about hating is. Braden Chen I and this leads Jake me to, Voracek is probably the most movable player but who can Wayne take, Simmons is probably the most movable player Wayne like you Simmons can name any of them potentially is the most movable yeah, because he's on the best contract who who can take Voracek's contract yeah, that's that thing. you that's in the running? Because all the teams that are good have no cap space, and they'll have to give you a bad contract back, and then what's the point? 
cap space is just make-believe anyway. Well, it kind of is, but <laughs> at event, <laughs> eventually it's held against you. I don't know when. Some, like, some teams day. are spending like 80 mil when it's 70, and it's it's all good. But I wanted to rant just real quickly about that Sam Donnellan article. Uh, I didn't even know who that was until today, by the way. I just... The moving ghosts to wing... Is the most (laughs) one. It's dumb, (laughs) dumb. Like on the face of it, if this was a video game, I'd be like, yeah, okay, sure. Uh, (laughs) But this whole idea that uh, backing an argument up with he's skinny and his plus minus is bad, Mm -hmm. so we should move him to wing is the dumbest friggin' thing I've ever heard in my entire life. You can't argue with the fact. He brings up how coveted swing men are, and I assume he's referring to guys like Brent Burns. And Dustin Bufflin, who were most effective at defense. It's why they play there permanently now. And you're talking, like, you bring up a guy's size, like Ghost. So, he's not that good in his own zone, but he has things, he's able to do things like 150-foot breakout passes and that kind of stuff that lead to, like, direct goals. Yeah, from, might, might be somewhat important. Yeah. But now, you want this skinny little guy who can't, like, defend others. Skinny little guy. I mean, uh, compared to, like... What Brent Burns is. Oh, now I was going to say Bufflin. But now, that's yeah. fine. <laughs> now you want him going into the corners against the Seth Joneses of the world? Nope. Like, that's. Nope, I do not. If you had. I promise. Like, other than maybe scoring on a wrist shot on the rush, what are his qualifications of playing offense? Oh. No, there are none, except nobody likes our forwards. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Oh. They just don't have any forwards. So, uh, yeah, try this. It's just. What kills me about it is you have a guy who you've been jerking around all year, who you've been scratching, <laughs> who you've been telling him, do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. And then you're going to be like, hey, you know what's next? You're going to change your position for yeah, two weeks. After like, all you this... want to mess with this guy's head any more than what you've already done this after year? After all of this, like trying to get him to be something, now we're just going to totally change it. <laughs> do we have him on the Oh, we have him on the line, Taylor. Yeah. Uh, joining us now from the Hockey News... From The Athletic, uh, Dom Luchishan. Uh Nice to have you, Dom. How did I do with your name, by the way? Uh, pretty good for a first try. I was a little impressed, not going to lie. <laughs> We've been practicing. <laughs> I've asked everybody for their take on it so I could get kind of close on the first try. Well, no, what actually happened is we found the tweet where you, you explained how to say it, and we have been practicing. <laughs> I feel bad you have to look through that many tweets, to be honest. <laughs> well, in, in any case, Dom, thanks for uh, thanks for jumping on. Uh, I think we, we really just kind of wanted to run through um, just some flyers talk uh, regarding uh, some of the metrics that, that you developed and also uh, you know some of the public metrics as well. Uh, but before we really jump into the flyers, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, the metric that you've been using in a lot of your projections and... Uh, and your recommendations for who you should pick to win each game, uh, that's game score. Um, is there any way you could uh, could walk us through that just for the benefit of our listeners before we dive into the Flyers? Uh, sure. Basically, last year uh, I got really into basketball because uh, the Raptors were uh, pretty good. So, I don't know, once, you, once a basketball team is a playoff team, it's a lot more exciting, so I never cared about it before that. So I got into that, and then the finals happened, and it was LeBron versus the Warriors, and I got super, super into that. And LeBron was just insane to watch, and I was reading a lot on him. And I read this thing on 538 that referenced something called Game Score, and it basically just combined all the box score stats into one number that was on the same scale as points. So you could see how good of a game he had based on everything he did in that game. And I wondered why 
there wasn't anything like that for hockey. So that was basically the main thing. So last year, uh, during the cup finals, I tweeted some charts, uh, you know, when the Pittsburgh Penguins won the finals. I don't know if you guys were aware of them winning the cup. We, we just um, kind of blotted that out of our memories. Never heard of them. Blacked Sorry. out. Never. We, we tried. Yeah. So I tweeted some charts about the Stanley Cup winning uh, Pittsburgh Penguins and how uh, each of their players did, along with, I guess, the Sharks were there too, but no one really remembers them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I just asked how this matched up to other people's eye test, and no one yelled at me, so I thought I was on the right path, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically I just... Uh, I wanted to weigh all the things we already think are important, goals, assists, shots, Corsi, even, I guess, 5-on-5 goal difference, just to, I weighed them by their importance to goals, so basically everything is as frequent as they would be to goals, so a shot goes in, I guess, I think uh, 10% of the time for all situations, so it was worth 10% as much as a goal, there's an assist on, or first assist, like 95% of goals, so it was worth that much to goals. And that was basically the main premise of that. And I did some testing of, I guess, players throughout the years and seeing how good they were, um, I guess, for a full season to see if it made sense. And nothing really jumped out as obviously wrong. So that's basically how it came about. Cool, cool. And is it still kind of matching up with what you generally expect to see this year now that you're uh, you're presenting them live? Uh, yeah, I do them. I look at it for, I guess, every Leaf game because I'm in the Toronto market, and I post them on Twitter. And, again, not many people yell at me, so I feel like I'm doing an okay job. Um, there are obviously some instances where I thought someone had a great game, but I look at game score and they don't show up as well i think there was one there's some sometimes people tweet me saying oh i thought he looked good and i mean it happens the stats we have aren't perfect like i'd love to have shot assists uh how many zone entries were defended how many zone entries were created all that kind of stuff put into it but we're i guess limited by what we have and i think it does pretty good with what we have yeah, definitely. Um, I know it's something that uh, that I, I've you know gotten really interested in as you've posted it more and more on Twitter this year. So uh, thanks so much for all your, all your work on that. I think it's been a, it's been pretty eye opening, especially you know, especially just in usage of like a quick look at how um, you know how the player performed from a stat standpoint in almost every single avenue. Um, it's just a it's 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 a nice shorthand, and it, it really does kind of guide um, you know guide you in terms of where the uh, you know what, what the stats are saying on the whole um so definitely uh definitely an awesome thing and if it, for the listeners if you haven't checked it out it's definitely worth checking out um but uh but wanted to jump in now to the flyers and i know you've kind of become sort of a, a not i wouldn't say a, a, a huge flyers fan but almost like a semi flyers fan because you've sort of dived into the craziness that is flyers twitter so uh, i'm glad we haven't completely scared you off yet <laughs> yet being the keyword yeah it, it could it could happen um but on uh, on BSH Radio, we've uh, we've been kind of losing our minds this season regarding a lot of the decisions that uh, the coach Dave Haxall's made uh, with regards to lines, with regards to usage, with regards to players being scratched. 
Um, so I was curious to hear, uh, you know, your input there, um, especially like from a game score standpoint. I know you uh, you provide projections and uh, like the percentage, the win percentage, win likelihood percentage before every game. Um, so you're kind of looking at that on a daily basis. Um, is there one, uh, you know, usage, I, you, know, you can call it mistake, but is there one usage decision that you would say has hurt the Flyers win likelihood and then in turn their playoff chances more than any other this year? Just one. Just one. <laughs> Touche. We only have an hour. <laughs> um, I, I mean, there's obviously Sos Bear getting scratched for three games. There's McDonald playing for most of the season, but I really have to say that I'm not sure how Belmar and Vandeveld haven't been fired into the sun. <laughs> <laughs> We've been trying so hard. They won't let us. <laughs> I don't. You guys need to, to get a rocket scientist up in Philly and just get them on board. Yeah, it's been especially. This would have been when when Couture was hurt and when they were using uh, the Belmar Vandevelde line as the, uh, the shutdown sh- shutdown line. line for a good two two or three weeks. Um, that was. We, we we yelled quite a lot on the show about that. I feel like we've been yelling all year nonstop about those two players in particular. It's been pretty and and the other two you <laughs> well, mentioned. Yeah, that's and, true. and McDonald and, and the other ones being scratched, yeah. And then also okay. the coach. There's just kind of been a lot of yelling on the show. Yeah. To be totally honest. <laughs> it's a long season. We're very tired. Um, so kind of to move on from, from the specific lineups, uh, the specific lineup issues and usage, um, really what's kind of happened, I think, over the past two months, um, because there was the 10-game winning streak, even though maybe the Flyers' underlying numbers during that period weren't that great. They were still winning games, and they seemed like they were kind of locked into a playoff berth. And then over the past two months, things have kind of sort of fell apart. And because of that, there's a lot of debate among Flyers fans as to the reason for the fact that they're kind of now out of a playoff spot and their chances of making the playoffs are, while not totally gone, are pretty low. Um, so I wanted to get your feedback as to, you know, kind of which side you fell on. Because the two sides in, in Flyerdom right now, if you want to call it that, are that this is legitimately just not a good team and they're kind of where they should be from the the roster makeup. And there's other people that would say that this is it's a decent team, but it's just kind of having one of those Murphy's Law, everything that could possibly go wrong from coaching decisions to shooting percentage to goalies playing awful, that everything that could possibly go wrong is going wrong and that the, the core is still okay. Um, so I just want to kind of wanted to get your opinion on, on which side you fell on, I guess, more than the other. Uh, I Yes, I would fall on the latter side. I mean, I had this team being a solid playoff bet to start the season. I have Giroux and Voracek as elite players in the league, Simmons too. I had Ghost of Gary taking a big step. And I mean, those guys have been good, but I feel like they've been like super, super cold lately. I, I feel like how many points does Giroux have in the last like 20 games? Like one? I don't know. It's, it's been insane. I'm not sure. Yeah, what's like, happening like there? But in his past twenty or something like that. Yeah, it's, I like I know he goes through these spells sometimes. I feel like it's a little absurd at this point, and I don't know if it's something Hackstall is doing wrong because I I know the same thing happened to Crosby when uh, I don't even remember that coach's name last year, but he broke Crosby. And I mean, coaches apparently can do this where they can just make a superstar score just not beat that anymore. 
So maybe that's what's happening with Giroud. It happened with Voracek last year, and it looked like he was bouncing back this year, but then he went a little cold himself. So I don't know if that is something the coach is doing or if it's just something that'll fix itself eventually by meaning not that many games of the season to four and eventually to wait for, I guess. Exactly, and I think that's what kind of gets people that that's what's gotten people really kind of off the deep end because we're just running out of time. You you, you think if this is luck, when's it going to break? Is it going to break? Is this just one of those years? Um, but obviously, you know, moving on to Giroux, as you mentioned, th- there is definitely a concern uh, among Flyers fans in particular uh, watching a guy like Claude Giroux go through these struggles. Um, and it's not just this year. You know, there's been something of a downturn uh, in his, his overall trends. If you're looking at play driving, and if you're looking, especially at five on five scoring, still racks up the points in the power play. But you know, people look at that, and then they look at his contract. They look at the fact that he has a no movement clause. They look at the fact that he's you know getting paid like a superstar for the next five years, and, and they worry. They they worry that you know this could keep trending in a in the wrong direction and and i guess i wanted to ask you um because i know you've done you've done some work on you know aging and whatnot in terms of you know the aging curve um what your thoughts were on that and if you think that the flyers fans are are i guess right to be concerned or if you really do think that you know this maybe is just kind of a crosby situation honestly i i'm not sure what's going on with you i know that uh with like Manny and DTM's model, they've pointed at Drew as someone who's been trending in the wrong direction for a while now. I still had him pretty high to start the year, but as the year has gone by, I, mean, I think he's lost around like one win of value just as the year has gone by. I mean, if he gets a little hot again, that'll go up, but it's still not as good as he used to be in his heyday where he was a top 10 center. Um, the age is a concern. I I feel like Drew, the way he plays, shouldn't have been. It shouldn't be that big a concern, especially with his skill set. But I mean, it is a bit troubling that it's been going on for a couple of years now. So, I mean, I have a soft spot for Drew. I have him on my fantasy team for a while. I've always loved him, um, but just the way he's played lately, I it probably is time to start worrying a bit. And his contract is a bit large for what he's done lately. And just to uh just a quick follow up on that, you mentioned you know the the loss I guess of kind of one win of value. Um do you could, could you tell us kind of number one more or less like what that means um from a uh, you know from a stat standpoint but more importantly like where would that now rank him in terms of the forwards in the league? Like he would would he still on your model be considered a top line forward is he or is he actually moving out of that range? Uh, basically, like this is what I do to create, I guess, uh, my win probabilities every night. Um, so I assign a win value to every player in the league based on what I project their game score would be. So I looked at the three, the last three years for everything that goes into game score, goals, assists, Corsi, all that. And so Giroux started the year as, I think, a top 25 player still. I, that might be oversight. He might have been lower. I'm not sure. But he was around, I think, two and a half wins, which is elite for an NHL forward. And right now I have him at 1.66, which is, I think the first line forward cutoff is around 1.4. So he's still above that, but he's on the lower end of that team when he was to start the season. 
can we blame this on Hackstall? Like, is it reasonable to do that? Uh, probably a little bit. I mean, he's shooting under 10%. So was Vorchek for the second straight year. And these guys were good shooters before that. So I feel like, I know you guys outshoot a lot of teams like every night. And for some reason, can't buy a goal. Is that bad luck or is that Hackstall? I, I'm really not sure, but it's been like two years of this. So I'd be a little concerned that the coach is doing something to limit the quality chances these guys are getting. Yeah, and that's definitely something that you know we've talked through. Um, number one, just via the eye test, but number two, um, you're using a lot of the uh, the manually tracked stuff that Corey's been doing uh, over at the Energy Line. Um, a lot of the uh, you know the low to high plays that the Flyers have been generating a lot of their shots on versus uh, you know passes directly into the slot. So uh, I definitely agree. I think that that could be could be causing it, but I always worry that we're you know that we're in a sense absolving the players because we want to believe that it's not their fault as fans. Um, so I just, you know, I, it's always nice to kind of hear a, an outside perspective coming from, uh, coming from you on that front. Um, but just kind of to move on, um, you wrote an article a few weeks ago that I, uh, I really enjoyed. Uh, and it was part partially because of the Philadelphia connection here, but you wrote an article basically telling the Colorado Avalanche that it was time to go full Sam Hinkie. And not only should you be looking to trade, you know, Matthew Shane and, and Gabriel Landeskog, but you should pretty much be looking to trade everyone that's over the age of 25 and bottom out, get a lot of draft picks and rebuild around your really young players. I, partially, I think because we're in Philadelphia and because we watched Sam Hinkie do that, and now we're seeing the, the fruits of that labor, there's kind, there's kind of kind of well i mean joel Embiid's awesome <laughs> but uh i think because of that there are some people in the flyers fan base that maybe are hinting that the flyers should do something similar uh obviously drew has a no movement clause but guys like voracek simmons shen uh basically the the core of the team uh there's there's people that have made the argument that the flyers should basically blow it up build around you know Provorov, Konechny, maybe gossip Barry, even though he's kind of bordering on that range um, but as someone who's who's made that case for the Avalanche, I wanted to to see if you know you thought that there was any, I guess, any reason to think that the Flyers might be in that situation, or if you kind of think that's a total overreaction. I feel like uh, going full Sam Pinky is not something that you can really do for any team. I know he said it himself that, well, actually, I don't know if he said it, but others have said it. I guess for him that the process isn't wasn't built for. Every team was built for that specific team. The Sixers were, I guess, stuck in mediocrity, and they needed to get out of that rut. And I felt the way Colorado's currently built, it was, I guess, the best way to do that because they have a decent core, but they have no one around that core, and it would take too long to build around until, I guess, like, once they build around those guys, those guys will probably be out of their prime, and they're going to be back in the same spot. Uh, I don't. I don't think the Flyers are in the same position, mostly because they have a lot more pieces around their core, and they also have, I think, a bread, a better system that'll uh, they'll be able to, I guess, inject more talent in the future. So I don't think they should go in the same direction, especially since I think I'm not sure how old specifically Drew and Vorchek are, but they aren't exactly young. Um, I think their window to win probably 
is soon sooner rather than later, especially for that reason. But they don't have uh, like I think Duchesne Landscott probably would fetch more given their contracts and that they're a lot younger. So I don't think it would have the same effect if you traded Giroux and Voracek. Makes perfect sense. Um, so we've kind of been a little bit negative with the questions, uh, but I want to turn it to a little bit of a, a more positive question. And it's more, uh, you know, as an outside observer, uh, has there any been anyone on the Flyers this year that has exceeded your expectations or exceeded your projections? Because a conversation that we've had on this on this show a couple times is it just doesn't feel like anybody is having an, an especially good year. Um, at least any of the veterans. So I was curious if uh, if the numbers on your side were, were telling you any different or if you would just basically point out one of the rookies. Do you want me to tell you the truth or do you want me to lie to you to make you feel better? <laughs> Let's hear the truth. <laughs> um, I am pretty sure that every single player has dropped in my model except for Provorov only because I had him low to begin with because he was a rookie and I didn't know what he would do. Um Actually, I think maybe Gudis and Couturier have gone up like just a tiny little bit, but everyone else has sort of fallen off. Yikes! Um, yeah, doesn't, doesn't surprise me about about Provorov. I know that the you know the Flyers fans would generally agree that he's been one of the bright spots, but yeah, that's that's not it's not great to hear. Not gonna lie. No, <laughs> but, seems bad. <laughs> seems real bad. But I appreciate the honesty. Seems about right. I mean, <laughs> I mean, this is this is what we're feeling. Right, yeah. as, as we're watching the games every night, this is what we feel, and this is what we're seeing. And now, this is just an, this is an outside opinion that's looking at numbers, saying, "No, you're you're kind of right. This is, no. this is not good. This yeah, is not it's good." Yeah, that's what you want to hear, though. You kind of want to hear somebody like down, be like, "No, no, no, guys, it's fine." No, Calm this this down. makes me feel better because well, it makes me yeah. feel less crazy. That's I'm true. hearing that I actually don't have to watch the games. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Uh, well, Dom, thanks so much uh, for uh, for joining us. Just one last question, and this is just kind of a uh, you know quick outlook from you. Uh, we kind of touched on this with with uh, a couple questions ago, but would you would you recommend the Flyers fans, despite this this kind of disaster of a season, do you think the Flyers fans should still be optimistic about the future, or should people be as concerned as they certainly seem to be on Twitter right now? Um, I. I think that there is still room for optimism based solely on the fact that their best players, when they're hot, they are almost unstoppable and they haven't been that way since, I guess, the 10 game winning streak. And I think they still have that kind of play in them to end the season. And once they do, who knows what can happen? I know it's bleak right now, but I think Jerwin Vorchek and Simmons. They'll get hot. They'll carry this team to back into the playoff bubble, and maybe they make it, maybe they don't, but I think it'll be close. I'm going to put you on the spot real quick. I know Charlie said it was the last question, but I'm taking over. Um, So it was something that we did real – it was Sarah Baker that did it on Twitter this week. If you could fix three things about the Flyers, what would they be? Um, Stop playing your terrible D-men, number one. Uh, (laughs) Fire those two guys in the sun, as I said before. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of one thing? Okay, that's, that's yeah, that, that, that counts as so that's, one. That's four players. So, is there anything else? Um, I 
I'm not really sure if there is anything else. <laughs> that might be enough. So there's no help. That, that's probably that's that'd probably be enough to fix things. To be honest, get your own Vorcheck PEDs. That was part of <laughs> oh that was part of my solution is to get them all roided up. <laughs> all right, Dom. Well, thanks so much for uh, for joining us. Um, I believe I was going to say follow uh, OMG it's Domi, but you just changed your you just changed your Twitter handle. That was such a good Twitter handle. I did because at the end of every podcast I do, they say follow Dom at OMG it's Domi, and then they laugh and ask why that is my handle, and then I have to explain that I made it in grade eleven <laughs> and I haven't changed it yet. <laughs> Well, we won't make you do that. We're just going to make you spell your name. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only issue. Um, But in any case, um, for all the listeners, definitely follow Dom. He's a uh, a great follow on Twitter, a great writer for the the Hockey News in the Atlantic. Uh, Dom, again, thanks so much for, uh, for, for jumping on today. Thanks for having me. Good times. That was good, Charlie. That was really good. Good job, Charlie. I like hearing that I'm not crazy. It, I, and and that was kind. It wasn't those words, but that's what was said. Yeah, for, for, the, for the most part, definitely. I feel validated for thinking uh, the Flyers should have traded Giroux two years ago when he still had value, and now they well, can't. I, I don't know if that's quite what he was saying. That's what I heard. I, I was <laughs> going to say, yeah, you might be the only one that heard that. You, uh, you hear what you want. I heard. Hear. I heard downward trend, and for a while, and that's kind of what I said two seasons ago. Uh, but no, it was, that, that was good. Dom's really good. Uh, it's fun to get into some of that stuff. And like, there's a lot of numbers we bring up on this show that uh, I, I feel like don't get a full explanation all the time. Like, I, me and you got a tweet recently that was like, "Can you just define play driver for me?" Yeah, I was like, "That's a, a phrase we use that I guess it's not." As common everywhere as it is, like amongst people who talk in these words, or when I just hear you say it. Basically. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty much just Charlie. I just kind of say stuff. But uh, after uh, we're, we're looking at some of these some of these numbers, and like we're trying to figure out what they mean for the Flyers and where they stand with the stats, and then also just what they mean. Period. Yeah. So yeah, I'll I'll go into this. So right now, I would say that the like the three primary team metrics that people look at. Uh, at this moment that they they can change you know Dom was talking about game score and while that's a little bit different that's more of like a descriptive stat as to how players performed in a game and then also there's a predictive element to to it as well Um, these are more um, stats that come directly from certain events that occur on the ice um, specifically uh, shot and shot attempt they're all derivatives of plus minus which is interesting to me I mean it's not the concept isn't that dissimilar they're presented a little bit differently Uh, not expected goals I guess but Corsi and Fenwick specifically absolutely are just okay we uh, one of our biggest problems with plus minus is it's a super small sample size like a high scoring game there are seven goals between the two teams and it's a 60 minute game so you know what happened on all those other shifts yeah and this is like a kind of a way to explain it. exactly so the three that that, that we were going to bring up that you mentioned uh Corsi Fenwick and expected goals so Corsi's kind of the one that if, if you hear analytics and hockey that's generally what people think of and obviously then that term gets you know made fun of a lot because oh you do because course, this is not the Corsi hockey league <laughs> exactly it's not the CHL um, well, Jim Corsi just got fired, so obviously, I saw that. obviously, there's nothing to his <laughs> get stat. Out of, get out of the Corsi hockey league. Um, but basically, all Corsi is is it takes um, all the shot the shot attempts. So those would be shots on goal, 
miss shots, block shots, and turns it into a differential. So, for example, if on a sh- if, if in a game Claude Giroux was on the ice for six Flyers shot attempts, and then he was on the ice for four Devils shot attempts, he would have a Corsi four percentage of sixty percent because six of the ten shot attempts that he was on the ice for were generated by the Flyers, and that's really you know where these metrics adjust plus minus a little bit because plus minus you just kind of have the raw numbers and there was a time where people with Corsi pretty much just looked at you know Corsi plus minus essentially Mm -hmm. and then it got turned into a percentage and a differential and that's where you really started to be able to dive into um to why this stuff can be more valuable number one because of the sample size thing you mentioned but number two just because now that we're looking at it as a now now that we're looking at it as a rate stat it just becomes a lot easier to analyze rather than you know, and compare. Like now, you exactly. can compare. All right, if you know Crosby is this good, how? All right, now you look at the number and you're able to differentiate. Them. Exactly. And then Fenwick is really the same concept, except you take block shots out of the equation. And that there, there's there's different reasons you can do that. Um, number one, block shots to a degree are repeatable in that some teams do have more shots that they take blocked because they take more shots from the outside. Um, some players, particularly defensemen, um, tend to block more shots when they're on the ice. So maybe their Corsi doesn't quite accurately evaluate how good they, you know, what they bring to the table from a shot suppression standpoint. So Fenwick might be a little bit better. Generally speaking, though, if a guy blocks a ton of shots, he's probably not that good. There are obvious exceptions, but if you're in the if you're in the defensive zone a lot, you're probably not pushing the play forward, and therefore your Fenwick or your Corsi isn't going to look that good. Um, then there's expected goals, which is kind of a new one. Uh, there's two different models of expected goals right now. There's the one on Corsica, um, that, uh, that Emmanuel Perry created. And then there's the one that, uh, the DTM about heart created. Um, so they're same general concept. There's just different tweaks on how they were created. And basically all expected goals is, is shot attempts but you weight them for where they were taken and how they were taken so which is why that's the number that we look at and go while the flyers have like 33 shots a game and are constantly out shooting people as dom alluded to why can't they buy a goal it's because every shot is a wrist shot from radko gudis exactly and it's not a perfect model yet just because we don't we're, the model is basically created off of the uh, the play-by-play that some guy up in the uh, up in the press box does in real time it's not taking into account the types of passes that created the shots it's not taking into account the player well dtms actually does take into account the player dtms model but there's a lot of things it's not taking into account but it does primarily help us with location it helps us guess which shots are rush shots which shots are rebound shots things like that and going by what the flyers how the flyers perform this year they're they're coursey it's okay. It's 50.62 uh, after you score adjust it. And score adjusting basically means that when you're when you're trailing in a game, you're more likely to outshoot the other team. When you're ahead in a game, you're more likely to get outshot. So it just adjusts for the league average of how teams usually perform in those situations. The Flyers are a little bit above 50%. They're 50.62 in Corsi. They're 50.94 in Fenwick. So 15th in Corsi, 11th in Fenwick. There's, they're not amazing. They're not bad. They're they're passable. It's like almost playoff team kind of numbers, essentially. You're in the top 16, essentially. And then there's expected goals, where they're 48% and they rank 24th. And that's exactly what you were talking about, where 
the Flyers maybe outshoot teams, but they're not winning the quality. That's, I out. saw, like, yeah, getting to expected goals uh, last, uh, was that game last night? The Vancouver game? Yes, it was last oh, night. Oh, man, was, these late games are just screwing with my brain. Oh, you, yeah. and, and, you saw, and the rest like, of us. I saw Belmar get a puck in the slot and hit the goalie directly in the chest with it, and that's a high, he was in a perfect scoring area, but my expectation was that he was not going to score. Because if that more. If that is Vladimir Tarasenko, I expect the puck to go into the net. And like so, waiting it for player, I think like definitely does have validity. Oh, absolutely. And the cool thing about like the future of an expected goal stat is that there's so many there, there's so many things we can add as we get more player tracking. Like we can start adding velocity to the expected goals model because if a guy is in the slot and he takes a shot that's you know. 60 miles an hour versus a shot that's 80 miles an hour like one's probably going to be more dangerous than the other when you look at historical rates of okay well how many 80 mile an hour shots from that spot usually go in the net versus 60 mile an hour shots like there was so many ways for these models to get better right now we're working with what we have and what we have is primarily like location and shot type to a degree like via proxy but it is it is telling when the Flyers at 5-on-5 five five have the furthest average shot distance in the NHL at 34.82 feet, and then you have, like, the Rangers at 29. Like, so the Rangers' average shot is, like, five feet closer than the Flyers' average shot, and that's going to have an impact just logically on how many goals you're going to score. Right, like, that sounds bad. Yeah. Like, and that gets back to coaching, right? I mean, gets, gets back to system. Yeah. It gets, it's, it, yeah. It's it, got a lot to, I really liked, if there's time, we'll get into it more, but I really like the idea of moving Ghost closer to the net on the power play just because he is your best shooter at this point. He's got the best shot on the team. Get him more opportunities down low, and they did that, and he was able to, rather than have his shot blocked high last night, get a nice little wrist shot on that, which created a rebound, yeah. which allowed Simmons to do what Simmons does. Definitely. And that was, we, we'll probably talk about that a little bit more later on, but it was an interesting tweak because uh, Ghost has definitely had problems getting a shot through on the power play this this year, and putting him in that Voracek spot makes it a lot harder for teams to block. And we shot. talked about that earlier in the season when I, I didn't want to take Voracek off the top power play. I just said I would like to see more switching out of those two and, and Shen, those three guys is all kind of rotating just to give defenses a different look and get like uh, different different release points for everybody. But it looks like something that could work at least for now. Yeah, I mean, I mean, any goal the Flyers score is a freaking miracle. Exactly. So <laughs> that was it was it was good to see that they made that adjustment. Yeah, and the great thing about making tweaks to formations and things like that is it doesn't necessarily have to be permanent. I mean, you can yeah. have it in there for a few games and then teams figure it out and they adjust and then you go back to what's worked forever because. It's easy for them to go back to what they've been doing for the past three years because they probably got it like... Those five guys, uh, Ghost came up in November last year, but the four forwards have been doing this for a little while now. Exactly. So you can always go back to it. Uh, The bad luck stuff. Because one of our our listeners answered... You asked a similar question like at, to Dom, like, at what point is, do you think the Flyers are unlucky or are they just bad? And we had a question from at Philly underscore sauce that was basically how long does it, how many games is it, like, does it take for bad luck to flesh out? Like, at what point can you just be like, yeah, they're shooting at 4% because no one on the team can shoot? I don't think there's, like, a hard fast answer to that no because, it's because that's why it's luck yeah well and i do think we sometimes use luck as a 
almost like a placeholder for well we just don't have an explanation so it's luck which it's like the that's baseball yeah which, which, like, which, you which know, is probably know, unfair baseball. yeah and it it also the dark matter of stats exactly <laughs> and it probably turns some people off to the numbers because it can be frustrating when when a numbers person can't figure something out and they just say, oh, well, it's dumb luck. And you're like, well, that's not a good enough explanation. I'm sure there's some reason why this is happening. And they say, you're full of shit. So, like, I get that pushback. At the same time, sometimes it is as simple as, like, the bounces just don't go your way. And you interview any hockey player and they'll tell you, like, sometimes the bounces are just not going your way. You have a clean shot. No, that that's The puck jumps over your stick and you're pissed off. But, like, it happens. <laughs> when every every freaking uh, interview, uh, like, in between periods is, oh, yeah, we got we made some bounces that period if you did well. Or we just need a couple bounces to go our way and we're right back in it if you did poorly. You know, you made them if it was good. Yeah. <laughs> They're just going against you if it's luck. Like... I, I, I struggle with this concept of, of luck, even though, like, I get it's a thing. Doesn't talent come into play here? Absolutely. And, and that's the that's the struggle. That's when you're kind of not banging your head against the wall, but you're just constantly trying to tease out, okay, how much of this is shooting talent? How much of this is the system? How much of this is just dumb friggin' bad luck? And the way I think I described it on last week's show, and I still hold to that, is what I believe you're seeing this year for the Flyers, at least from a goal-scoring standpoint. I don't, I'm not even going to get started on the goalies because who the hell knows what their problem is this year. But at least from a goal-scoring standpoint, I think what you're seeing is a combination of a system that suppresses shooting percentage to a degree and really bad luck. So, like... You're running into a situation where if you were the Capitals and you have a ton of great shooters and a ton of guys that get in the slot, like you can go through a bad luck period, but it's not going to look this bad. Whereas if you're eventually the, Alex Ovechkin is just going to hammer one home. Yeah, but like, if you're the yeah. Flyers and you're taking tons of point shots and none of the bounces are going your way and not you know the deflections rather than going in are flying ten feet over the net and then you're just kind of banging your head against the wall and nothing's happening because you're not putting yourself in positions where you're more likely to get lucky, but that doesn't mean that they're not getting unlucky. Like to use the, to use kind of one of the foundations of expected goals, um, Fenwick shooting percentage and expected Fenwick shooting percentage. This is basically, I think I talked about this last week. It's basically the, uh, the percentage of goals that went in versus unblocked shots that the team created. So the Flyers expected Fenwick shooting percentage is 5.41, which is low. Like that, their expected number is around like in the bottom third of the league. So they're already a low expected shooting percentage team. Their actual is 4.47. So like this is a team taking an already low expected percentage and then underperforming that. So <laughs> awesome. And that's great. What, and that's how we get the past two months where the team just can't buy a goal to save their lives. Like just thinking about that, I remember. Uh... For a while, like the first the first year, Matt Reed really struggled to score, and uh, I'm trying to bring up the numbers here so I don't just make them up. Yeah, the first three years of his career, he shot at like 15. percent Yeah, and it was awesome. Like, yeah, and he scored 20 goals a year, and then like that first struggle year, he was at 5.6. It was all right. His shooting percentage is a third of what it is in his career. That probably won't last. And he was injured. He played yeah, on the, yeah. the, the the high ankle sprains. You're thinking, oh, that's the reason. And the, the percentage has rebounded somewhat since then. Uh, he's just taking less shots now. But, like, it's still lower than it yeah. once was. And I guess that just accounts for he was in his scoring prime in those years. His scoring prime just came sooner because he was a 24-year-old rookie. Yeah, and you'd also have to break down. And he was on a third line. Yeah, well, you'd also have to break down a couple things. Number one, you mentioned aging. 
totally totally yeah. could be a reason. Number two, you'd have to break down exactly how they scored those goals and maybe had some some empty netters. Like maybe there were other reasons why that percentage, then maybe his true talent shooting percentage was never 15. Maybe it was more like 12. And he just got on a really good run for three years. And then when the floor fell out from under him, it just really fell out from under him. He went from being a little bit lucky to really unlucky. And boom, you end up with Matt Reed kind of turning into a bottom six forward rather than a middle six guy because he just isn't scoring enough to justify being on one of the top two lines. Sucks. <laughs> I love Matt Reed. I, know. I, I really do. I'm, I'm, I'm a big Matt Reed fan. I've talked about it before. I love how he's kind of reinvented his game to make up for the fact that he. Can't I think he's score smart. I think he's anymore. a smart hockey player. Yeah, but to get into the league at all at a uh, you know 24 year old undrafted guy from Bemidji to you know you scored 24 goals for the Philadelphia Flyers is an impressive career path. Mm-hmm. Like you're probably able to like in, readjust your game for a lack of ability. I was actually I was thinking about Matt Reed and his career path the other day like out of nowhere for no reason. But like this he's from Canada. I remember right? that uh, he's, he's Canadian? Yeah. Yes. Like is do you go to Bemidji State to play hockey because you think that's your best way into the NHL or do you just go because they're giving you money to go. I don't know what his actual like career story was. Yeah, like my, at seventeen, what yeah. was his deal? Well, my guess <laughs> that's what, that's that's like what I was thinking about. For major junior. That, yeah. that's yeah. what that's what I suspect happened is that he probably played in like minor juniors and was trying to get noticed, and no one gave him a shot in like the Q or the OHL or the WHL, and he was playing in there so long. He's like, well, I guess I'm going to go to school and get a degree because I guess hockey's not going to work out, and I might as well go to a school where I can play hockey because mm. why not? And then he finally catches the notice of scouts. And then, boom, he gets into the league in a weird way. I, the first time I saw because he joined the Phantoms like at the end of their season yeah. after his college year ended. But I never saw him play live until the following year's rookie game. And I just remember, like, this guy, who the hell is this? He really stands out. And, like, you go on to real, okay, he's 24 playing in the rookie game. So, yes, he's beating up on the Capitals' 18-year-olds. But, like... Good. Yeah, screw, yeah, <laughs> screw him. Good. But, yeah, so, okay. That's all I wanted to say. Uh, so, let's get into some of these uh, listener questions. Where did where did these questions come from? We uh, have listeners. I think they were a combination of Twitter and then the flyby. Yeah. Okay. I already asked look. Philly Sauce's question. We got into the bad luck stuff. So Chris in SJ, is that South Jersey or San Jose? South Jersey, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I was prepared for either. I so. thought San Jose. <laughs> it's a running joke in our flybys that people think he's from San Jose, but he's actually from South Jersey because who calls South Jersey SJ? Nobody. That's Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> but anyway. Well, I don't know what this question means. I don't get it. So is this the is this the eighteen to sixteen range in the draft this year? I believe so. Yes. Okay. Eight to, okay. So oh, eight to sixteen. So the question is: okay. get, Given the talent in the eight to sixteen range in the draft this year, do the Masties, the Mastheads, I guess that's oh, the, is that us? us? us right. Um, <laughs> oh, <so> Charlie. <laughs> do, do we regret the team making the playoffs last year and not selling high on a few players? Neuvert coming to mind. No. Yeah, I don't either. <sighs> the run was a lot of fun. I'm torn because I know what I wanted right before they went on the run, and I know what I want this team to do, and I know what's going to need to be done at some point, but I needed to watch some good hockey for a little while. I really like playoff hockey. I know they won two games and got embarrassed a couple times, but it was, it was worth it. Wait, wait. Are we talking last year's draft? This well, then why does them making the playoffs last year impact this year's draft? Because I guess there was more depth 
in the middle last year. They, they could have traded for picks for next for this year, maybe, or maybe traded for picks from last year to get more players last year. We might be considering this is a weaker draft this year. The That's this. This weaker draft thing is really bothering me. We'll get back to the questions in a second, but my whole thing is it's not. Like, you, you okay, uh, it might be the 07 draft where JVR is number two. All right, yeah, but he shouldn't have been. Like, and JVR is a pretty good player, but if Jake Voracek probably should have gone second. Like, PK Subban probably shouldn't have gone after TJ Bre- Brennan and uh, some bum that the Flyers drafted two picks ahead. Yeah, I can't you even definitely name. can't judge a draft no, like, yeah. without I, I, hindsight. Just it's scout only, better. I don't know what yeah. to tell you. Yeah. Like, how many guys in Matt Reed's year was he better than? Probably quite a few. If your scouts are good, this whole weak draft thing is nonsense. You will find value. Is there a Connor McDavid? You can't judge on that. Uh, no. You can't judge on yeah. there not being a Wayne Gretzky. Oh, so it's a weak draft. Like, <laughs> I mean, you can kind you can kind of tell that there's not a generational talent if nobody's sure. Yeah, but like them. that doesn't mean it's a weak draft because there's not like a surefire he's going to be a top ten in heart voting for yeah, the I next decade. Yeah, I mean, once decade. you get past the fifth round pick in almost any draft, it's a crapshoot, really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you don't know what's going to happen. Really, once you get past like pick twenty one or twenty two, it's kind of a crapshoot. Oh, for sure. So, yeah, like. In- Scott Lawton, shut down center. <laughs> Still waiting. No, I, I, I'm 100 with you, Bill. I, I don't think That's that you can issue. use that. I don't think you can use the weak draft thing as an excuse for why the Flyers don't, you know, why they don't get an impact player. And when it comes down to it, like you can't expect. I know we're we're all excited about Ripstoff because of how well he's playing in the queue since he's come over. Are but, we though? Well, I mean, you're not because you don't like him. But <laughs> the germ. The Steph's racist. Not, okay. The germ. Do not call him the germ. Thank I you, love, Charlie. Thank you. The germ. It's I horrific. It. I love it's it. So bad. What, what if I call him you, the germ? That's better. Okay. No, that's just as bad. Why not? Because that's not how you pronounce his first name. Who it's cares? German. It's fun. But. Boo. No, it's not. Gostas Bear fun. sounds nothing like ghost. Yeah, but it kind of looks like it. <laughs> oh, so that stretches. Okay. We're allowed to. We're allowed to spell coots with two O's, even though it's O U in his name. What, like, yeah, you know? Charlie. Plus, ghost Bear's fun. And it's oh. what he's been calling I, I, himself. You, you know like, why? You know why I think it annoys me? It's because if Kurt we, made if it we up. start well, that. <laughs> but if, definitely because that. if we start calling him the German, I love then it. Then everybody's going to call him German, and his name is not German. We're going to have half the fan base calling him German Rubstock. The, as soon They're as going to do that anyway. We're in Philly. That's yeah, fine. this this we're still calling him Jacob Voracek. Like it's <laughs> it's Jakob or Jake yeah. and people are like, "Yeah, that Jacob Voracek." Yeah. All I'm just saying is it sounds like a villain in a really bad like dentist comic book. <laughs> You're not the germ. Wrong. The germ. You're not wrong. Watch me on the 700 level. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go to the uh, the last listener last question we have. Question. Um from John A. John A. I'm requesting some realistic trade scenarios talk. This is the first season in a long time. The trade deadline is the only thing that interests me regarding the Flyers. Well, that's kind of sad, but we'll, we'll do our best, John A. <laughs> nothing's going to well, happen. Well, John A. Nothing's going to nothing's happen. Nothing's going to happen. Nobody wants any of the players that the Flyers are willing to part with. Eat at Arby's. No, and that's that's <laughs> what gets me. I, we're, we were talking about this before the show, is that I... I think the Flyers need to trade two of the th- their at least two of their three highest paid forwards because you need that <laughs> you're going to need but that cap space. But yeah, the teams that are good who would trade for a Claude Giroux can't take on an eight plus million dollar player without sending you back some well, there's crappy a, contracts. There's also for, for the record, the, I disagree that they should be trading those guys. But anyway, I do as going. well. But <laughs> because you would need to replace their production, and while the Why? team. 
how else are you going to win? You're going to go on another four-year rebuild? Yeah. That's bullshit. They're not going to win with those guys Lose a lot and hope you get a good player somewhere. This is garbage. Don't. I'm. I'm really glad that. I'd rather lose no a lot than get this eighth right seed again. It's the. <laughs> no it's, I'm all about the process. Okay, this well, is right. But the process okay. does not work when you've got a team that does have a lot of solid pieces. I mean, we literally just had this conversation 20 minutes ago. Then how come they're no better than an eighth seed and haven't been? Because of right now the coach. Okay, but before what about the coach that, before the that? Defense. And what about the coach before that? Also, the defense. Well, I mean, back then, the team really didn't have pieces. The, the like, pieces were like, Claude Giroux and the difference, the difference between Barubi's team and Haxel's team is that Barubi's team had, what, like one, maybe two good defensemen, whereas this team now has three in Proverock, Gudis, like, and Gossip Bear. But then they hopefully will have at least three or four more that will be here in the next year or two. I would like an example of one player who's had the career arc of Claude Giroux and then became a point-per-game player again. I'm not expecting Claude Giroux to become a point-per-game player again. All right, well, then what good is he? Well, I mean, because if he's still scoring 60 points a year, then is he... Then who are you paying to get that number one center production, and where does that money come from? I don't... I don't are I don't we know, hoping I don't the know, cap are is we, are 100 million? Are we yelling million? about Claude Giroux, or are we yelling about trades? Because trades was the question. Yeah, I want to trade Claude Giroux. See the, see the well, diff- you cannot make... Where are you going to make up his 60 goals a year? Where, where not, is that going to come from? I'm not. Well, then you're not trading him because I that's bullshit. Lose. Well, well, then that's why you're not a GM of a team because this is absolute horseshit. I'd rather lose on purpose than lose because my players aren't. Well, good then enough. go watch the Sixers that you wouldn't watch because they were losing on purpose. Yeah. So <laughs> and then it paid off. And then you're still not watching. When was the last time you watched the Sixers game? I've watched most of the Sixers games this year. Does okay. anyone ever worry that we're like reverse the reverse Oilers? Like you know how the Oilers have a ton of forward talent, young forward talent that would be perfectly ready to win a cup, but they have an absolutely shit defense. But we have a really good crop of young defensemen and absolutely nothing going on up front. They have Adam Larson now, Kelly. Ooh, they're, they're okay. I, I also I don't think I think that our this goal scoring slump has res, has resulted in Flyers fans dramatically underrating the forward core, like. It's not amazing. It's not bad. and But it's also not young. Not super young. What is Claude Giroux going to be in two years? I don't know. But what I can tell you is that if Claude Giroux is a 60-point player now, and if he's a 60-point player next year, is that worth $8 million a year? I don't know if it's worth $8 million a year, but it's probably worth like seven. So are we really going to really trade Claude Giroux because there's like a negative surplus value here of a million dollars a year? And then decide, okay, well, I guess there's no chance at all that we're going to compete for the next three years by trading him. Like, you have to be 100% certain, and maybe you are, and maybe that's why you're, you're, you're on this, but you have to be 100% certain that the Flyers' core, as currently constituted, cannot compete. There's no chance at all for you to blow it up. And I don't think you can know that for sure. I've been I, watching I the same core for four years now, and it's, they're getting worse. There's no, there's, no, or, there's no arguing that this team has gotten worse. They, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I would disagree. Well, from from when? Like, have they gotten worse from where they were three years ago? No, they've gotten better. They've gotten more talented than where they were three years ago. Then how come they're not winning more? How come they are barely able to obtain the second wildcard position? Well, that I think that was the entire first portion of the show, right? Trying to explain why they're not good. Yeah, it's a combination of the fact that the, the guys who aren't good well, enough, the, that's the, the problem. Well, the really bad players in the team are really bad. 
And then you have a combination of the fact that there's systems issues that we've discussed, and there's the fact that the, the Flyers, honestly, from a shooting percentage standpoint, aren't shooting that well. And, as I mentioned earlier, that we didn't even really talk through, the goalies are having horrific seasons. <laughs> we haven't like, even touched like, on like, the like, goalies. Yeah, like, we if, haven't even gotten Steve, there. If Steve Mason and Michael Neuvert were 80% of what the... Maybe 85% of what they were last year, the Flyers would be comfortably in a playoff spot right now. And that was something that no one really could have predicted. They were both going to suck out of nowhere. And if next year Anthony Stolarz is a 9-17 goalie, Flyers are probably right back in the playoff playoff picture, totally safe. Goaltending is a big part of this. Shooting percentage is a big part of this. I just don't think you can say, let's just blow it up unless you're 100% certain this team can't win as currently constantly. Okay. I, do, I don't think say you can Say do they're back into a wild card spot next year because they're not better than the top three teams in their division. They won't be. They can't be. They're not as talented. Well, can they win a playoff series? Yeah, I think they can. I think Against whom? Well, I think when you get... Like this year? This no, year or next well, year, no, if, we're this, gonna, this year if we're going to keep this core together, can they win four out of seven against a team that has more talent than them? I no. think that the NHL playoffs are such that if you get in, you can probably maybe beat anybody. And, then there, and, and there's also uncertainty here. Like, okay, if we if we look at the team as it is right now, and we say, okay, well, every single player is exactly what they were, what they were this year, and maybe Giroux's a little bit worse, and maybe Voracek's a little bit worse. But then there's uncertainty there because, okay, well, do we have to account for the fact that Konechny's probably going to be a bit better? Provorov's probably going to be a bit be a bit better. Do we know? We have, do we really have any idea how? I was good counting a guy on like, Ghost being better. How, how, and- how good a guy like Limblom's going to be? Do we know how good a guy like Myers or Sanheim? Like we don't. There's a lot of things we don't know about the guys that are coming up, and if one or two of them are impact star type players, then you have an entirely new core. Then you're not talking about the core being Giroux, Voracek, Simmons, Shen. Then you're talking about the core being maybe Provorov, Sanheim, Gossespierre, Konechny, and then Giroux, fine, put him in there because he's still nominally your first-line center because he's awesome on the power play and scores his 60 points a year. Like, the core can shift. And my concern is if you move Giroux, let's say you move Giroux, okay? Mm -hmm. And then Provorov has a big step up next year, and Konechny scores 50 points. And then you're like, well, shit, man, we would be good if we had a center who could score a lot. But we don't have that because we just traded Claude Giroux for But the he picks. can't score a lot. But he, he's still gonna he's still gonna score sixty points this year. That's first line center production in the new NHL. It's not point per game production. Not on a good team. Yeah, it is. The, the there there were times where the and I'm not, I'm not comparing Claude Giroux now to what Jonathan Taze was then, but there were times where Jonathan Taze was the top line center on the Blackhawks and he finished with around like 63, 64 points. So All right, you, you can do it. Yeah, if you have a Patrick Kane and a Marion Hosa and a Duncan Keith, sure. But he's also not an elite two-way center, Claude Giroux. He's pretty bad defensively this year. He hasn't been that good. And that is all the time we have for you this <laughs> oh, week. Thanks, dear God. thanks, Bill. Bill's opinions are bad. I was I was trying to wrap it up after Charlie, but then I had to chime in. Can I, I just thank Charlie for kicking ass this show? This was awesome. Yeah, thank you. you put Charlie together our, our listeners really who hate words. me will really enjoy the Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> that is all the time we have for you on Broad Street Hockey Radio. Uh, please, please, like you know, listen to our show, rate it, download it on iTunes, subscribe, all that stuff. Check out WildfireRadio.com too. Have a great week, Philly.
Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.